Welcome back to your Off The Fence. If you've not been with us before, we're a political talk show. I'm your host, James Fox. We've also got one Alex Maskell sitting next to me. What's up, everyone? It's good to be back. We haven't been here for a while. and uh, it has been, It's mostly been uh, like our, our timetable's not aligning and also a bit of laziness. Yeah, and also moving house as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm officially now based in Brighton. I don't have to go running back to Eastbourne every evening. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're here. A lot's happened since we were last here. Um, we're going to try and cover some of the most recent stuff, though. Um, quickly, before we go into any of that, first, what we've got coming up, uh, we're going to be talking about a cool article that Stephen Bush did talking about all these conservatives who think that all the kids voting for Jeremy Corbyn, it's because they just they just don't know about communism and the history of it. They just don't know. They're not aware of it. If they've known about communism, then they won't be voting for Jeremy Corbyn. Tons of problem- problematic uh, things to respond with from that. But anyway, we'll be talking about that later on. We're also going to be talking about Trump. Obviously, everyone's heard about him retweeting Britain First tweets, and that's been a big international thing uh, and then him calling Theresa May out and like all that yeah anyway we'll be talking about that as well quickly before we go into the proper stories I'm gonna give like my kind of takeaway from the past month or so that we haven't been here some uh, cool stuff I think the most interesting anyway uh, Morgan Stanley came out obviously huge international bank um, Morgan Stanley basically saying Jeremy Corbyn is like a threat like it would be very very dangerous if he became Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. What did Corbyn respond with? He was like, damn right I'm a threat. <laughs> and tons of conservatives everywhere, steam coming out their ears, like Swo- just, just fainting. <laughs> you know, just having to be slow-mo. To, having <laughs> like, to be carried to a sofa by their manservants. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, yeah, a Labour government is a threat to a damage, damaging and failed system that's rigged for the few. And it does remind me of the kind of rhetoric that Bernie Sanders... I get deja vu on this. I'm pretty sure Bernie Sanders responded to the exact same kind of attacks and accusations in the exact same way. And it rings home in the exact same way. Um, Like These are the exact people who led to the catastrophic financial crisis almost a decade ago that we still haven't emerged from, that is still... You know, we still haven't ever had like a better financial situation than, yeah. and which is by all accounts ramping up for another major debt crisis. And that is the core of uh, what this is kind of about when he's saying, "Yeah, we are a threat." Yeah. Because but first of all, the irony is just incredible that they, these are the people that brought the world economy to its knees, uh, and they're saying, "You know, yeah, this guy's a threat." Yeah, yeah. a system that <laughs> a system that can do that should be threatened, and it should be it should be you know, dismantled and should be put back together in a way that isn't quite so catastrophic. And to quote Corbyn's uh, conference speech, you know, the politics of 2017 is finally catching up with the crash of 2008. Banks like Morgan Stanley did that crash in 2008 and arguably have led to the rise of Bernie Sanders, Jeremy Corbyn and Trump as well. Yeah, they were just... This kind of age of extremes is because of the inadequacy of that kind of managerial center ground politics that did nothing to challenge the steady rise of the financial sector and yeah. its complete overwhelming of any kind of regulations or safeguards it you know it should be threatened and it's it's encouraging to see someone actually own that and say yes this is the side i'm on this is yeah. the side you should be on so that was my takeaway from the past few weeks alex have you got anything to donate 
Uh, I do. I, I just want to briefly talk about the uh, 24th of November attack on a Sufi mosque in Sinai in Egypt. No one's no one's admitted to this so far. It's probably ISIS. One of the main departure points between ISIS and uh, Al Qaeda is that whilst uh, Sufi uh, Muslims are considered by kind of hardline Wahhabists to essentially be heretical Shia yeah. or no heretical Sunni, um, Wahhabi also being Sunni have always kind of been loath to actually kill them and this is this is one of the things that isis did that no one else really did which was kill other sunni muslims that they considered to be heretics and so there's really no one else who would be willing to step up to the plate to this extent but i think they realized that they probably misjudged something because they still haven't copped to it and usually they're very upfront with that kind of thing it might just be that their infrastructure is kind of shot now that you know they're losing on so many different fronts now that el baghdadi is definitely dead you know all these other things it uh to the best of my knowledge they haven't claimed it or indicated that it was necessarily them but it, it's they're really the only people that would do it and that's one of the deadliest terrorist attacks uh in egypt history leading to 235 dead uh, after a, a bomb going off in the mosque and then gunmen, you know, shooting people as they tried to flee. Uh, you know, really shocking stuff. And We should point out as well, in terms of uh, a world that, uh, as time goes on, is becoming increasingly more global, and in terms of news and connecting societies around the world in terms of what's going on, is increasingly more global. This was actually, I think, on the same day as the incident in... It was on Oxford Street, Oxford Circus sort of area. And obviously it was about 5 p.m., very busy. And it, reports of gunshots were heard. Mostly uh, by Ollie Murs. Yeah, Ollie Murs, a few other people. It turns out there was no evidence of these. And there was no evidence of any victims or anything like that. Yeah, it was basically two people getting into a fight in the station. Right? Yeah, like hundreds of people, you know, fleeing in panic. Obviously that is a snowball effect and lots of, you know, lots of people... Yeah, you know, Tommy Robinson's out there and Katie Hopkins speculating this. Oh, here we go again, blah, 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 all that stuff. Turns out it was nothing. And uh, the British media, you know, went into hyperdrive on that, as they sh should be. But um, this terrorist attack in Egypt, leaving 235 dead, barely got a look in. I mean, my take on it is essentially that, I mean, if you dig into it too much, some of this stuff can get really embarrassing. Like... You know, the the extent to which we have like played both sides in a lot of these conflicts and a lot of these civil wars does you know, lead to situations where if you do report on this stuff too much, you're gonna cover you're gonna find like some militia that we funded or that we provided training and support right. for. It's funny because we'll actually come on to that later. Yeah, so <laughs> it's 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 different. You are right. Now. Anyway, let's move on to our first story, which presents a very interesting article from Stephen Bush, which is off the back of tons of talk in conservative circles about why are the kids voting for Jeremy Corbyn? Or rather, I should rephrase that, why are the young people voting for Jeremy Corbyn? But the talk of from the conservative circles is actually why are the kids talking uh, voting for Jeremy Corbyn? Of course, uh, because like the, the actual figure is like it's basically everyone under 40. Yes, uh, and we'll, we'll come on to that. For the average age of these people, that's kids. Yeah, yeah. So we are talking about... Um, Conservatives who are looking at Jeremy Corbyn and saying why the why are people voting for him, why are the young people voting for him, and their um, general idea is oh it's because they don't know about the history of communism. Of course. Well, let, let's pick that apart, and that's what Stephen Bush did 
he explains here that how the Conservatives um, did badly, really, you know, with all things considered in the general election in June, right? They, yeah. they, they lost for certain reasons. And one of those reasons chiefly was that they lost a vote of young people. Um, you know, quite a long, large swathe of people under the age of 40 definitely went more for Labour than the Conservatives. And people older went for the Conservatives more than Labour, but that's a different thing. We've got those generational divides growing. Yeah, and it's also it's also worth mentioning that young people showed up in a way that they haven't in generations. Yeah. Essentially, as, a, as I think we've mentioned before, the drop-off is when Tony Blair showed up, and now that the Blairites are gone, it's the not, young people are showing up true. for Labour again. It, it's not necessarily when Tony Blair showed up, it's after one term of Tony Blair, when basically the left were like, well, yeah, we, we went for it and... We didn't get, you know, electoral reform. We didn't get this. We didn't get that. Stephen Bush was basically saying, well, yeah, if you're a conservative, you'd be looking to look at what you did badly. Where did you, where were your weak spots in the election? And going forward, you're going to have to try and address those issues. Yeah? Sure, sure. You, you would assume that that would be what a rational person would do. Well, let's hear what Stephen Bush has got to say on what the conservatives are actually doing. Quote, the bad news is that their voices are getting drowned out by an engagingly stupid idea that has started to take root in Tory circles and show sign of becoming dangerously mainstream. The reason the Tory party lost seats in 2017 was because not enough young people have learned about the evils of communism. Oh hell yes, it's not any problem with us, it's that they don't understand the problems with them. It is the principal Skinner meme, like laid bare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is that... No, it's the children It's who the are children wrong. who are wrong. It, it's, it, it couldn't get more patronising. Th Although the fact that we refer to that as the principal skin of me might be that they're right that we are kids. <laughs> anyway, uh, it picks this apart a little bit. Where did this come from? And uh, patient zero appears to be, according to Stephen Bush, James Bartholomew. He first called for a British Museum of Communist Atrocities in the Spectator in March 2016. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, and uh, he made the call again in the Telegraph after the election. But you might also remember his writing from the Spectator previously, as he is the guy who coined the term virtue signalling. Oh, That's who we're yes. dealing with here. That's who we were dealing yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, when he first coined it was people who think they're good people because they vote Labour but do nothing else, which is almost a leftist argument. Yeah. Like, it's a thing that you could happily say about the Blairites. So to answer James Bartholomew's call for a museum of communist atrocities, let's, let's have a look. Well, what do museums normally do? Museums normally um, detail uh, uh, the history of that particular country or things that that country has taken from other areas of the world or other countries. So applying that to communism, Bush points out, quote, the United Kingdom doesn't have a museum of communism because it has never had a communist government, nor has it conquered a country that has had one. Or no. at least any of the countries it has conquered that have one, they have adopted that communism following the British leaving that country. Usually as an antidote to British imperialism. There we go. So that's why we don't have one. And it would... You see what I'm saying? You know, you know what we should have? We should have a museum of capitalist terror, which we've had more <laughs> than enough of a hand in. All of our interference across the Middle East, be it in, you know, in the east in Saudi Arabia, in the west over in Saudi Arabia, or in the east with the horrific things we did to Iran over the course of the 20th century. Or what about the, the millions and millions and millions of people we starved in, like, knowingly in man-made starvations in India. You know, things where, you know, uh, what's his name? A fat baby-looking prime minister everyone loves. Churchill. 
Churchill. <laughs> Winston Churchill openly said, let them starve. This was a yeah. knowing, like basically a genocidal action. And it's a genocide that we're complicit in. That's something we should we actually had a hand in. We should have a museum of capitalist terror, of all the things that we stood by, or worse, armed and assisted in, yeah. in South America, in Africa, in and all these other places in the world where we were complicit in mass death, or even our place in Yemen right now. Let's do, let's do a museum to our complicity arming the Saudi military in Yemen right now. How about those... Terror, all all great ideas. Somehow, I don't think James Bartholomew and the likes won't appreciate. I get that feeling too. They're yeah. rather going for a slightly different uh, thing of all the kids are communists because they don't know communism is bad and also Abby Wilkinson is somehow a Stalinist. <laughs> anyway, communist Twitter account, communist terror, is actually a Twitter account. I'm like, I follow a lot of communist Twitter accounts. You're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> at communist terror is literally the, the at handle of this Twitter account. Oh, hell yeah. They tweeted this poll result. Um, That'd be a badass name for a leftist hardcore band. <laughs> Tell me it wouldn't be. It would be. It would be a good... Just communist terror is just... They've really won over Scott Vogel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they tweeted this poll result. 70% of young people have never heard of Mao. And that's kind of where people are kind of drawing the lines between... Uh, James Bartholomew and this Twitter account tweeting that those results um, into really sort of driving this narrative or this meme within conservative circles. But with that tweet, it was kind of implicit. It wasn't an explicit link. It was just an implicit link between, you know, this is what the young people think. They've never heard of Mao. Do without what you will, guys. But then we move to James Bickerton, political editor of The Backbencher. He takes that same poll results and make that makes that explicit link he says amongst uk 16 to 24 year olds 50 percent have never heard of lenin 70 percent have never heard of mao and 72 percent have never heard of pol pot i think this helps explain why so many are prepared to back those including corbyn who have flirted with a totalitarian far left or maybe maybe, maybe their material conditions have yeah. led to the reasons why they're voting for Corbyn. But anyway... Not to mention, maybe their material conditions are completely different yeah. to the things of all of those dictators. Maybe we are not a third world country like pre-revolutionary Russia or like China or like Cambodia. Maybe all of these things were inevitably going to produce hardline, like, strongman dictators who nonetheless had less ambient violence than the regimes preceding them because they were all feudalistic hellholes. But maybe... If you don't go through the kind of steps that you're supposed to go to, from feudalism to merchantilism, to industrialism, to capitalism, to eventually a communism that resolves the issues of those things, maybe you wind up going from authoritarian feudalism to authoritarian communism. And maybe that's not an issue in this country. Yeah, I would, I would certainly agree. We now turn to... The guy who's basically at the centre of this, keeping this meme alive. Oh, hell yes. Definitely. Which is one Tim Montgomery. Oh, hell yes. Yeah. Abby Wilkinson's new friend. <laughs> Founder of Conservative Home, which is like a really prominent, it's basically like the website if you're a Conservative Party member. Um, Jesus Christ, imagine. <laughs> yeah. And also he's now editor of this new site called Unheard, which is like the most... It's just... Yeah, yeah. It's because like, it's so irrelevant that... I know. It's spelled it's, U-N-H-E-R-D. And why it's would like, you... Like, one side The is, voices that are unheard, we're going to listen to them. One side is Squawk Box. Everyone's hearing it, whether they want to or not. The other is literally unheard. <laughs> but no one's heard it. The thing is, it's also spelled H-E-R-D. So it's oh, like, oh, oh we're so not, they're we're not, not heard. They're not sheep like us. Yeah. They, they don't go at the herd. They're dangerous... 
Like, they think against the grain with things like maybe capitalism is good. <laughs> anyway, he comes in and he's basically kept this meme alive. And, and again, he is, like, currently, Abby Wilkinson, I think, is actively pursuing whether or not she can sue him for libel because he has called her a Stalin apologist completely baselessly. Yeah, and that was part of, on this on this point here, he's basically been pointing that out and trying to keep that keep that alive. Um, like we said at the start, the Conservatives did bad with anyone under 39. And, and they were kind of, you know, not winning decisively with anyone under 50. You know, if you were between 40 and 50... You weren't like decidedly going for the Conservatives or Labour. It was like that was the that was the crossover point where people were going either which way. Yeah, which is older than it has been in decades. Yeah. And what's to be remembered is generally Labour have always done better with the young and the Conservatives have always done better with older voters. It's definitely more pronounced than it's ever been. And there have yeah. been times when because Conservatives Labour... have done better with the, the yeah. young as well. For example, Margaret Thatcher's one of her first few elections. Sure. But, but generally, it's always been that way. Yeah. So it's, it's not so surprising that it's gone that way. Again, yes, more pronounced. But the fact that they are, that isn't like, oh, yeah, it's because they don't know about Mal. It's just ridiculous, the notion anyway. Well, but, these people have to, like, get it through their heads that, like, the, the Cameron period is over. It didn't end well for them. Yeah. And you know, now there's just someone else who is appealing to young people's perceived interests and material realities better. Yeah. I mean, it's worth pointing out that a considerable amount of people, and Stephen Bush points this out as well, who voted Tory in 2015, voted Corbyn in 2017. I'm not saying it's a massive amount of people, but it's considerable enough for you not to be going, oh, well, it's, yeah, it's because these kids, they're just voting for, for Corbyn because they don't know about the history of communism. Yeah, you know, yeah, but what, think, what if all of those people have been won over by communists? <laughs> well, here we go as well. Another thing that Bush points out in this in this uh, column in the New Statesman that he did. The Conservatives are basically acting like they only did bad with 18 to 24-year-olds when they speak about this. They're ignoring the, the fact that they did badly with the under-40s. And, you know, those are the people that I'm talking about who voted 2015 Tory and have now, some of them, a considerable amount, have switched to Corbyn in 2017. So there's that to point out. Sure, but if they do that, they might have to actually reflect on themselves and God knows they wouldn't want to do that because that's not a fun look. Well, in case it wasn't clear enough, Stephen Bush really lays out here in his New Statesman piece. Quote, in case the inference is not obvious, people aged 27 and under when the Berlin Wall fell were more likely to vote Labour than Conservative in June. And the people who cast their first vote in the election of 1987 were also more likely to vote Labour than Conservative this time around. The Conservatives' problem clearly isn't one confined to those with no memory or understanding of communism. And the other thing is there's more results from this same poll that they all keep quoting that these people are just completely forgetting. Remember that tweet from James Pickton earlier on? He basically said they haven't heard of Lenin, loads of them haven't heard of Mao, loads of them haven't heard of Pol Pot. But what about the ones that have heard of them, James? What about the ones that have? What are they saying? Well, 61% associate Stalin with war crimes. Of the people that do know about Mao, twice as many associate Mao with war crimes than those that don't. Unsurprisingly, they know about the people that Tony Blair and Barack Obama, you know, prominent Western figures, and they know about the people that we've directly fought. Adolf Hitler and Saddam Hussein. You know, those are the you know, people associated with war crimes potentially that we've directly fought. But anyway, uh, Stephen Bush also kind of finishes up by saying this. 
quote, there may be some imagined voter living in the mind of Montgomery, Bartholomew or Bickerton who hears about one communist dictator and likes Jeremy Corbyn. He is about a second and is neutral to him. But oh my God, learns about a third and decides to vote conservative every time. There is no evidence that that person actually exists in the real world. Of course not. But to Tim Montgomery, and you know, he's like, we just have to build a communist museum and it's all going to work out. And the kids are not going to vote Corbyn then. They'll vote for Theresa May. I love the idea that they don't have to go to this museum. <laughs> what, who are you hey, building Tim. this museum yeah. for? Hey, Tim, you heard this thing called Wikipedia. You heard about that? Yeah, and it's also, you know that he's going to get all his, like, statistics from the fucking Black Book of Communism, which is, like, the only thing he quotes, and which is, of course, largely fabricated. The, con- the contributors to it said that it was massively exaggerated. Well... Let's talk about what's actually separating young voters from older voters, right? And this is what Stephen Bush points out. They're more socially liberal than the older voters, right? Sure. They dislike Brexit both as an assault on their cultural values and because they fear it will make them poorer. And C, they can't get on the housing ladder. Those are three really clear identifiable things that separate younger voters from older voters. There may be more, but they're definitely way up there much more than the young people's knowledge of communism and the older people's knowledge of communism. Yeah, but I'm sure that the Conservatives would be more than willing to, you know, push back on Brexit, uh, you know, deflate the housing market so that young people can get on board and all these other fun things that young people desperately need in order to make it in an increasingly backbiting world that the neoliberal consensus created, right? Yeah, there you go. Anyway, we thought we'd talk about that because it's ridiculous. Tim Montgomery, there is not going to be a communism museum. And the point is, if there was, it would be weird because it would kind of be like, why are we building this? And second of all, it wouldn't do what you want it to do. It completely speaks to why the Conservatives are doing so badly now. You know, this is why Corbyn's doing so well, because there's people like this going, hmm, it's definitely not me. It's the kids that are wrong. I mean, it's the... the this, this just goes to show one of the fatal flaws in politics, which is... The way in which, like, once you get into the kind of insular circles of the person who founded Conservative Home, you <laughs> you get to this point where it's so it it's incredibly hard to tell apart flattering people and actually providing insight. And you can usually tell because the 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 providing insight is actually challenging. Whereas you know, kind of what what kind of mad person? could think well obviously everyone knows that jeremy corbyn is an out and out communist who wants like immediate communist revolution in the uk they just don't know that that communism is a bad thing and let's remember the 2017 manifesto by the labor party it was a it was a keynesian like social democratic yeah manifesto really at the end of the day it was not a marxist manifesto Anyone, no, can anyone would... really argue that? I mean, yeah, you've got you've got like flapheads like Tim Montgomery going, they, they Oh my were... god, red terror, red terror. They will argue that because he's a Marxist and because his analysis is Marxist, anything he produces is inherently communist. Like because he identifies with socialism as a way of looking at the world and as a way of defining his long-term political goals, there is no such thing as a Keynesian policy coming from him. Anyway, let's continue on to something else now. What have you got, Alex? Well, I have two fun little items coming up here. Uh, Although, a quick thing to add, first of all, uh, breaking just before we started recording this, so we don't have a huge amount of information on it, 
but the long-aggrieved Secretary of State Rex Tillerson is apparently going to be out. He's obviously been feuding with Trump for a while, openly calling him a moron, completely marginalized because Trump trusts Jared more not, than he trusts- I must say in there, my joke there, the butt of that joke is definitely Donald Trump. Oh, absolutely. So, I don't want to lay any sort of misogyny out there repeating Trump's own words. But anyway, he, you know, Tillerson's going. He is, he is, and he is being replaced by a real ghoul. His replacement coming fr straight from, like, the CIA directorships. So, Mike Pompeo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it just, you know, if you wanted a Secretary of State who just has been fairly transparently, uh, like, trying to train up, like, all these Salafist fighters throughout the Middle East, uh, particularly in Syria. It's been a CIA mission for a while, but Mike Pompeo, like, it's probably good that he's being moved on to a position that is, by, like, essentially useless now, and that the last guy is leaving in disgrace because he vocalized how useless it was. Uh, so yeah, the only downside is that the CIA is reportedly going to have a new director in the form of Senator Tom Cotton, an Arkansas Republican who is very much on the, the president's foreign policy wavelength and who is an insane reactionary, just one of the most grotesque people, like the fear of a lot of leftist commentators. Uh, I know that uh, some of the Chapo guys brought this up a couple of times. The fear was that once Trump inevitably failed, which of course he was always going to do because Trump was never going to become pre uh, the president. He's just too, like, he's not polished enough. The fear was in four years, Tom Cotton would run and would be that but 10% less dumb and thus would be able to win. So the fear was always that he was the real threat coming after Trump. And so the fact that he's going in charge of the CIA, it's deeply troubling how that's going to go. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Donald Trump has been getting himself into a bit of bother again. Uh, so today, in maybe the least surprising possible news, like I wouldn't have guessed it, but if you told me that it was going to happen, I'd go, oh, of course. Uh, Donald Trump's official Twitter retweeted several posts from Britain First Deputy Leader Jada Franzen. Uh, each of which tried to characterize Muslims as violence or destructive. So one was captioned, Muslim migrant beats up Dutch boy in crutches. That actually shows a fight between two Holland-born teenagers, one of whom was using crutches. Uh, neither was actually identified as a Muslim. And as I say, they were both born in Holland. So it was entirely because one of them had brown skin. But this, this video has been popular among fascist and anti-immigrant groups uh, for a good long while, usually falsely pushing the idea that the attacker was a Muslim immigrant. Um, although, of course, it is worth mentioning, even if a Muslim immigrant did attack a young man on crutches, that still wouldn't be an excuse for ethnically cleansing all Muslims from European countries, you fucking psychopaths. Anyway, another captioned Muslim destroys a statue of the Virgin Mary showed a Syrian cleric aligned with Jabhat al-Nusra uh, the Syrian, uh, the Syrian version of, Al or the Sir Syrian affiliate of Al-Qaeda, who since moved on to, uh, ISIS, and who, it's worth mentioning, uh, we were funding and training Jafat al-Nusra, uh, at the time of this video being filmed. Uh, yeah, he's desecrating a statue, smashing a statue of the Virgin Mary. 
Like, Muslims all over the world have condemned these Wahhabist militias destroying historic iconographic artworks. They've been doing that consistently ever since they started doing so. Nobody agrees with these people other than other insane Wahhabist hardliners and Vagvikanes. Like, it's, it's a very limited range of, like, people that that's appealing to. Even then, fucking, yeah, like, he's smashing a statue. That sucks, but also it's... And it turns out that he was actually someone, potentially, that the he was part of a group that the US were funding as... Yep, funding, training, all that fun stuff. Or well, the CIA specifically. The yeah. army were going for the Kurds. It was a weird interfactional thing. Um, but yeah, finally, the third, which Franzen described as an quote, Islamist mob pushing teenage boy off roof and beating him to death, genuinely does commit a murder carried out in Egypt during the Arab Spring when there were supporters of different sides clashing, often quite bloodily, uh, when the country was basically in a state of, like, a bloody uprising, an almost civil war, and the perpetrator was later found guilty. So, like, there's only so much you can, like... And he was given the death penalty. Yeah, yeah, like, murders happen everywhere, uh, like... Britain first has had some issues with politically motivated murderers, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, but, you know, that, that that shouldn't be used, again, as justification to essentially ethnically cleanse all Muslims, which is what these people want. They want them deported, or they want them... Like, they don't really care what happens to them, they just want them gone by whatever means necessary. Um, now, Britain's, Britain first are a group formed from the ashes of both the explicitly fascist BNP, uh, the British National Party, who had all kind of forgotten uh, ever since UKIP basically moved in on their territory, uh, and as well as the disordered and now largely abandoned English Defence League, the EDL, and they're known for mobilising street protests of a couple of hundred people, which is relatively impressive for the far right um, in this country, as well as uh, violence against Muslims and uh, quote-unquote mosque invasions, uh, where the two heads of Britain First are now officially banned from entering any uh, mosques in the country, which, like, fucking good. Uh, most notably, as we mentioned previously, uh, Thomas Mayer, uh, the murderer of Labour MP Joe Cox, a right-wing fascist terrorist who gunned down an MP fairly recently, like, just over a year ago, I think. In the like middle of the year, referendum year campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he was affiliated with them, he protested with them, and in fact yelled Britain first over uh, Joe Cox's corpse. So that's the kind of company that this is. Uh, they also have a big Christian chauvinist thing going. Hope Not Hate refers to it specifically as being a, a kind of a Calvinist bent. Uh, or was that The Guardian? It was one of the two. They're both good. The Guardian's done a good bit on Britain first. Hope Not Hate has done a huge amount of good stuff, including a really good report on it. So there's lots of information out there if you want to find out exactly who these creeps are. Uh, Trump then demanded that Theresa May not criticize him for this by stating, At Theresa May, don't focus on me, focus on the destructive radical Islamic terrorism that's taking place within the United Kingdom. We're doing just fine. Now, it's worth mentioning that at first he tweeted at the wrong Theresa May and just made that woman's yeah. life a nightmare. <laughs> Barney is just uh, some lady called Theresa Scrivener. Yeah, who, whose who's middle handle. name is May. Yeah, and uh, I think the Press Association tracked her down and her, her quote after she'd received huge numbers of messages and deluge from like uh, the public in terms of tweeting her and sending her DMs. She said, quote, if I wanted to be famous, I would have gone on X Factor. <laughs> but yeah, eventually he ended up tweeting at Theresa May, the leader of a country that his country is supposed to be key allies with. Uh, don't focus on me, focus on the destructive radical Islamic terror. 
do you feel particularly like shaken with terror at like the idea of radical Islam like sweeping over this country? No, because it's not and it won't. No, no, it's it's incredibly straightforward. There are a couple of psychopaths. And as we see, there are psychopaths on all sides of this. Uh, like, you know, Britain first has had its terrorists as well. In response to that, I want to point this out. Brendan Cox came in, obviously. Yes, Joe oh. Cox's husband, real, like someone who has spoken out a huge amount against the far right and against the, you know, increasing fascist activity. In I think country. he summed up it well, the, the perspective that was required. You have a mass shooting every single day in your country. Your murder rate is many times that of the UK. Your healthcare system is a disgrace. You can't pass anything through a Congress that you control. I would focus on that. I mean, it is good that he's not able to pass anything through a Congress he controls. True, but you he know, should not work on that. But, it, it, but the point is, it, he's, he can't do his job. And he's, and he's running a country that is yeah. going through the floor. And that's why he's tweeting these things. Exactly. Um, but it's worth mentioning... It's chicken and egg, isn't it? This has really brought everyone together on this. Uh, you know, you had, you've had had conservatives calling for its condemnation. Uh, you had Jeremy Corbyn state, uh, tweeting, I hope our government will condemn far-right retweets by Donald Trump. They are abhorrent, dangerous, and a threat to our society. Vince Cable tweeted even more strongly, New at real Donald Trump insult to Theresa May. She must end humiliating dependence of Brexit Britain on goodwill of evil racist. Cancel visit. Those are some strong words. Although I will say, like, eh, insulting Theresa May isn't really the bad part there. Yeah. I mean, there's been debates in the House of Commons about this and what was going to be done. Um, you yeah. know, some whether strong they... words were thrown around in yeah. there. Yeah. Amber Rudd basically revealed that the plans for uh, Donald Trump uh, to come to the UK, they're not a state visit anymore, and the invitation is still extended, but it's postponed. He, he's just popping over, is he? Like this yeah. was this was the amazing thing. Like when he first met Theresa May, and he was like, "Oh, and if you're ever in the country, you must drop by." <laughs> yeah, if you're ever in New York, man, just yeah, yeah. you know, ring me. <laughs> People were saying, "Yeah, we should postpone it three years because." Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I, mean, I, I wouldn't hold my breath if I were you guys. Yeah. These guys are re these guys re-elected George W. Bush. Yeah. Um, but eventually, Theresa May spoke out from Jordan on the final stop of the tour of the Middle East, fittingly, uh, stating very carefully that he was, quote, wrong to retweet from Britain first. Far less than the full-throated condemnation of rising fascism people were hoping for, but probably as much as anyone could reasonably expect. Uh, like, she rode the hell out of the Islamophobe vote in the run-up to the last election, particularly after the attacks in Manchester. Yeah. And it completely fucking backfired on her. It was a terrible thing. And, like, Jeremy Corbyn putting out a principled, like, anti-imperialist, historically accurate critique of our role in, like, the Middle East actively spreading this stuff, which was, like, the moment that he won me over. Like, you know, that was the only thing that yeah. that was that was what actually won out and so i mean with, with everything aside of what's happened is kind of the media response to this i found is quite i don't know basically nick robinson interviewed jada franson and also ann coulter on the, i think the today show um i haven't managed to listen to it yet but a lot of people are saying that why are you giving these people a platform why are you giving them oxygen and then vice news as well actually interviewed today jada franson also and sat down with her and we're like um, so how did how did Trump hear about you? Did have you got direct contact with Trump? It's all through Coulter, like, right? Yeah, it's so obvious. Donald Trump follows forty five people. You can work out 
where he got it. Yeah. yeah. Do you really think Donald Trump's going to know who Britain First are? No. He's he's going to have seen it pop up somewhere. And Coulter, like it was by this I point, mean, I don't know why Vice News are giving that question when it's obvious everyone has reported on it. And Coulter retweeted uh, Jada Franson from Britain First, and then obviously Donald Trump is following Ann Coulter, saw that, and must have gone in into the Jada Franson account and saw a few more and retweeted some of them. Here we go, The Independent reporting. Ann Coulter, one of only 45 people who the US president follows on Twitter, retweeted a video posted by Jada Franson purporting to show, quote, Muslim migrants beating up a Dutch boy in crutches. Yeah. Shortly before Mr. Trump shared the clip, it's obvious, why are you interviewing these people and giving them oxygen like that? Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump is not, like, he's fascistic, but he isn't a fascist. He isn't plugged into the fascist network. No. The way well, Ann the, Coulter the, the, is. The bigger thing, Ann Coulter is a fascist. We, but... we said this tons of times before, and we're not the only ones to say it. Tons of people have said it. The things about Donald Trump that are the biggest factor in how he how he runs the office, how he uh, how things like this come about, are not because of his actual views. They're not because of the racism, the sexism, all that stuff. It's because his brain is full of holes. Yes, it's because he's a fucking idiot. He's done, not going to know who Donald. Yeah. He's not going to know who Britain First are. And if he sees them, he's not going to have the, you know, aptitude to be able to go. Oh, I'll read about them a little bit more. I'll see what that's about. He's just going to say, I like this, retweet. Like, he's just going to go in on it. And, oh, he'll see a few more. Yes, this confirms all my racist, you know, xenophobic beliefs. I'm going to retweet that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not even like... Everyone's so fucking impressed because Richard Spencer has read, like, a book. Yeah. And he knows who Avola is. And the kind of empty-headed idiots who form, like, most of the reporting in America go, he's read a book. I've never read a book. This guy's clearly a hardened intellectual. But never mind that Richard Spencer got fucking completely trampled by Gary Yalange, like immediately. <laughs> that was that was a beautiful thing. That I think that was since we were away. That was that was genuinely fun. It's yeah. it's a, like that's up there. I don't with think that... it, I don't think it was fun for Gary. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd, I'd imagine. Yalinch. I'd imagine he had to take some long showers after that one. But it 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 reminds me of nothing so much as that amazing thing of. Um, uh, Sam Cedar uh, slapping down that guy who tried to phone in with the statistics <laughs> from the bell curve. Oh Look that God. up on YouTube if you can. It's one of the few times where like a left person owns a right wing person where it's actually good and it's not like a West Wing thing where they show how much more knowledgeable they are. They just show that this person is pathetic, which is the only way to actually do it. You don't engage these people on their own terms. You don't overcomplexify. You just make them look pathetic because they are pathetic. And... You know, so even the smart ones of these people aren't that smart, but Donald Trump is not even as smart as them. And so it's going to come from an obvious place, but like, Vice News has a history. How, how can we put this? Like, fucking Gavin McInnes, their founder, went on to form like a far-right street fighting group based after, a, like named after a show tune, whose initiation involved getting like beaten in while they try and name breakfast cereals. It also like just recently came up that uh, uh, Vice's feminist vertical broadly, uh, one of its main editors uh, was secretly uh, like a a big buddy of Milo Yiannopoulos who yeah. had like repeatedly sent him like hey can you guys here, here's a here's a fat feminist you might want to make fun of this this was a guy running their feminist vertical it's yeah. it's so Vice News interviewing Vice has always been an issue yeah Vice, Vice interviewing their video game vertical is extremely good by the way okay. and very like very distanced from the rest of them uh, Austin Walker is a socialist and is good as hell and I'm going to try and get him to write for my zine. Okay. 
unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there, I think. If you have only listened to us for the first time, we are Off The Fence. Uh, we're on soundclub.com slash Off The Fence. And if you want to connect with us on Twitter, we are at Off The Fence Talk. I've been James Fox. I'm on at Fox1038. And we've got Alex Maskell here as well. He's also on Twitter, at Alex Maskell. We'll be back soon, I'm sure. Thank you for listening. Have a good week, everyone.